Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys, and it's good to look at the camera, and for you to see me. It's good for you guys to see me right now. I just want to tell you that. All right, this morning, we're starting a new series called um, God's Gift, and then every week, it's about a, it's on a different topic. So like the first week, this morning is joy. Next week will be God's gift of hope. And then the next week is uh, salvation and then purpose. So this is gonna be really good. Excited for this. Hey, how amazing were both of those words from Jordan this morning? It's like, should I even preach? I think we should just think about that more. When we come on Sunday mornings, are we coming to get something or to worship something? <laughs> like, that was powerful. And then he dropped on us the whole, look at Jesus, not your circumstances thing. So man, I'm, I'm edified. I'm preaching from, I don't even need to preach, right? But I'm going to, so <laughs> stay put, all right? If you're at home though, just close the computer and meditate on what was already said this morning. All right, before I start talking about joy, um, there's something really quick just on my heart I wanna tell you guys about. Yesterday, I went to Healing on the Streets at Northgate Mall, which is a outreach we do every single week. Who knows what HOTS is? You guys know what HOTS is? It's an outreach we do at Northgate Mall every single week where we go set out chairs, then we have a big banner that says healing, and then we go to the most obnoxiously visible part of the mall and we set up. And you know, we, luckily we don't act obnoxiously, but we just go to a place where people can see us. And then people walk by and we ask them, hey, would you like prayer for anything? People come sit down or they stand there and we pray for them. And uh, yesterday, this is really sweet. How, how long are you guys out, Mary? Okay, so in 90 minutes, 38 people stopped and got prayer from them. So come on, that's amazing. One of the things I love about healing on the streets, number one, I mean, I love the lost, and I just love to get out there into the harvest, pray for people who need Jesus, who don't have him. But another thing that's super encouraging about healing on the streets to me is when I pray for Christians, or even when Christians deny wanting, like say, I don't want prayer, because I'm like, whoa, there's more Christians out there. <laughs> And I think it's easy for us to fall into a mindset of like, I'm the only Christian. You know, like I'm the only Christian around and my family and the people I know, the people in my church or, or whatever. And we kind of lose sight of this bigger picture. Man, there's a lot of believers out there. There are a ton of people who love God and have a heart for God. And um, so that really encourages me. I love it when people tell me that like, I'll be like, hey, do you want prayer? And this is like a response we get a lot. Oh, I go to church. <laughs> Or, hey, do you want prayer? I pray every day. Like, good job. That's amazing. So proud of you. Um, it's just funny. But another thing that really encouraged me about Hots yesterday is the first time I've been out and done it, I've been out, well, actually, I, I was only there for like 15 minutes, okay? But I had my, my, my little kids with me. Um, it's the first time I've been out there at Healing on the Streets since COVID and since the election. And how many know that, man, we just went through some crazy stuff. And we're still in it, actually, because don't even know who the president is. But um, we're going, and COVID is still happening, full, full bore, you know. It's a different world. Like, it just literally is a different world. And the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about two, in the Bible, you can find two concepts of time. There's a concept of time that I'm going to call chronos time. 
And then there's a, a, a concept of time called kairos time, okay? So like chronos time is where we get the word chronological from. And it's like, you know, time moving in, it's, it's dependable, it's gonna happen, the sun's gonna set, the next minute's gonna come, event, event, like time is happening. But then kairos time, with that, that idea in the Bible, is talking about specific seasons and moments in time that uh, are, that kind of like transcend the norm. And I just want to tell you this, I really believe we're in a kairos time right now. We're not in a chronos time. Like literally in this moment, you're in a chronos time because a second just passed and second. like chronos time is always happening. But kairos time isn't always happening. And I just really believe, man, we're in a kairos moment right now. There's an actual like thing God is doing on the earth that's different. Does anyone else feel that? All right, come on. Um, and when I was out there at HOTS, it kind of awoke me to that reality. Like, I got woke. I was like, whoa, time is different right now. And, and this is what I noticed. I was like, I feel, well, one thing was I felt very not excited, like, to be there. And I was just feeling that. And I was like, this is weird. You know, just don't want to do this right now. And then all of a sudden, we gathered in the middle by our chairs and we prayed together and I just wanted to be there all of a sudden. I just kind of looked around, I was like, this is tight, I wanna be here. I was like, I, I, want, I, was, I was trying to figure out what happened there, what was that little shift? And part of it is spiritual warfare, you know, because demons are real, there's spirits and powers in the air that wanna influence you. You know, at any given moment, there's three different voices trying to talk to you. The kingdom of darkness, God and yourself. And if you don't realize that there's different voices trying to talk to you, you're gonna think everything is your voice and randomly every once in a while when it's incredibly apparent, you're gonna think it's God's voice. And then sometimes you're gonna identify the devil's voice. But you know, the devil wants to stay hidden in your life. All right, he doesn't want you to recognize his voice. And so part of it was just like, I realized, okay, that was the devil, like just attacking me, shooting fiery darts at me, trying to make me feel bad. Um, but then, Honestly, like the other reason that I started to feel different was because I realized I am proud to do this. I am, I take, I'm literally taking positive, healthy pride in standing in public for Jesus. And it got me excited. I was like, I am in the middle of a mall right now. There's a huge banner here that says healing. People think this is weird and that's amazing. I am so stoked that I get to be next to these other amazing warriors that go out like every single Saturday and do this. I'm part of something. Like it tapped me into like, I'm part of something that not everyone is a part of. I just wanna tell you guys, you are a part, we are a part of something that not everyone is, that not everyone is part of. And there's an actual opportunity right now. Like there's more division I believe in our culture right now than I've ever, than I've ever seen, than there ever has been. In, in my life. Between people, you know, like, it's just extreme. It's like, some people are like this, do not wear a mask. Ah! And then other people are like this, wear a mask. Ah! And then other people are like this, racism is the worst thing in the world. It is horrible, and there's nothing worse than it. Ah! And then there's other people that are like this, there's no racism, get over it. Ah! And then there's people like this, Joe Biden, wah! And there's people like this, Donald Trump, wah! Like, do you, <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? 
there's no, there's not a lot of people that are, I mean, I think a lot of you are in the middle, okay? For real, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like I'm striving to not be in one of those camps and one of those teams. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like I eat, there's, there, every human can vacillate and everything, but society as a whole, the picture it's painting is you're there or you're there, right? And we get to stand with Jesus during that. Like we get to not stand with a political party. We get to not stand with um, whatever, okay? And we get to just stand with Jesus. And this is what Jordan was talking with the circumstances thing. It's like, we're not fixated on our circumstances, what's going on around us, we're fixated on Jesus. And when you fixate on Jesus, man, you're just amazing. You're beautiful. Um, you lose weight, you get taller, you get stronger. Like you are attractive when you focus on Jesus. People want you <laughs> when you're focused on Jesus. Like when you're focused on Jesus, it transcends what you do and say. There's just something different about you. Um, and so man, we're just in a really cool time where we get to be fixated on Jesus. And I just wanna tell you this, being fixated on Jesus is louder than it has ever been. Being heart, and, and I'm not talking about a voice or a decibel or um, an action, which those are important, okay? But I'm talking about a heart posture. Right. A heart that is focused on Jesus is more powerful, is more influential, and is louder than it ever has been in my lifetime, in my opinion, okay? And so, man, like, when we just, that, it's just a good thing to take that in and to say, hey, I'm gonna have a heart focused on Jesus above everything else. This is my commission. This is my true north, is heart attachment, heart focus on Jesus. Like, not mind attachment, not, um, not behavioral attachment, but heart attachment. At the core of me, I'm just gonna push my heart towards Jesus at all times. And anytime I stop doing that, I'm gonna turn it back in that direction. So, I just wanna give you permission, okay, to do that, all right? Can I just pray for you? Put your hand on your heart. And I'm gonna pray for myself too. Lord, um, thank you that you've created in us, in us a clean heart, that we have clean, amazing, beautiful hearts, that you circumcise our hearts, that we don't have hearts of stone anymore. So I just bless all of my friends in this room. I bless everyone on the live stream, everyone watching. And I thank you that I'm speaking to people with hearts for God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm speaking to people with hearts for God. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would help each of us identify and step forward. Just take our next step in heart commitment to you. We love you, God. And thank you, this is something that you do. That we're, like I'm right now, I'm responding to you, Jesus. So I just welcome everyone in this room to respond to Jesus. Not to Wilson, not to my words, but thank you that we can just respond to the spirit of God in our heart. So we just honor you and we love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, joy. This is awesome. Joy is such a gift. And who was here a couple weeks ago when a guy named Peter Lewis was here? I heard his message. Come on, wasn't he awesome? I hate it when people come here and preach better than me. Just like, dang it. Um, go back and listen to his message. It was so good. You can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to the podcast. He actually preached a different sermon at each, message, at, uh, each service. 
And first service, he made this statement that was just so good. He said, sometimes we think we need prayer, but we really need repentance. We think that we need prayer, but we really need repentance. And I was super prophetic of him. He didn't, I mean, he didn't even make a big deal out of that. But then we, my dad had already been planning, like, let's do a couple messages on repentance. So the last three weeks, we've been teaching on repentance. And what I, what the main, our main task in my sermon today and my message to us is that we would repent. That we would repent about the way that we think about joy. Because it is so easy to think of joy through a worldly lens. It's so easy to think of joy through a worldly lens. And actually, like, the word I would use is, it's easy to mistake joy with happiness. And I'm just using that as a frame of reference, okay? Like, happiness is great, joy is great, either one is good. It's where it's coming from that matters. But if you just think about the word happiness, that word comes, or is at least related to another word, happenstance. Is happenstance something that we can control? No, by definition, happenstance is something that happens. But this, here's the thing, joy is something we can control. Joy is something that we can choose with intention. Um, and I want to read to you two crazy scriptures really quick that just will wreck us and, and make us totally question why we have reduced joy to an emotion. Because I think we really have. We've reduced it to an emotion. And again, like, not all the time. We're not all doing that all the time, but I certainly do that sometimes. So I'm just going to assume that some other people do that sometimes too. And we, we, we reduce it to an emotion and we don't realize that it's something we can actually choose. So look at these two verses with me. Turn with me to John 16. And remember, um, repentance is change. What it means is to change the way that you think. Repentance does not have anything to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with the way that you think. And when you think differently, I guarantee you that you will behave differently. If you're doing something bad, you should stop it, okay? <laughs> but if you're doing something bad, what's even more important after you stop it is that you figure out why you're doing it, and then you repent. You change the way that you think. Think of this. Repenting is returning to the penthouse. It's changing the way. It's stop thinking here and start re return to the penthouse with Papa God. Um, because here's the thing. God doesn't really, he's not into mind control. God is not into mind control, but he has given us the ability through his spirit to change our mind. And I don't mean change our mind, like change our, change our like I'm going to change my mind and do this, but to like actually change the way that we think, to renew our minds. So listen to this, John 16, 22. Listen to what Jesus says here. Just so crazy. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And then here's the crazy thing. And no one will take your joy from you. No one will take your joy from you. My joy has left before, okay? Anyone else has their joy left before? But what is Jesus telling us? There is a thing we can apprehend where no one can take our joy from us. Check this out, Philippians 4.4. 4. Here's how you know the books of the Bible. God eats 
pizza, crackers. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. <laughs> Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I checked it out in the Greek, and always means always, okay? <laughs> I did some deep language study there, and always means always. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And then in case you're speed reading, again, I'll say rejoice. This is an invitation to us. No one can take our joy from us, and, and Paul commands us to always rejoice. Paul wouldn't command us to do something that he didn't think we were capable of doing. So I want to dive in. I want to look at this. I want to figure out how do we apprehend this? How do we live in this state um, of perpetual joy? And before I do that, I want to tell you what I'm not saying, okay? What I'm not saying is this. I am not saying that we should never mourn or be sad. I am not saying that we should never mourn or be sad. You know, there's actually a powerful biblical promise attached to mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you want to be comforted, you got to actually identify what you're feeling. <laughs> identifying what you're feeling isn't denying what you're feeling. Identifying what you're feeling is just taking your feeling to God. Saying, hey, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. See, this week I was, um, I came into uh, uh, our staff worship time, really bummed out, not full of joy, not excited to live, just is how I felt. And we were worshiping and Luke started singing out this line, something to the effect of, oh God, all I want is you. And I started singing it and we sang it for like five or 10 minutes probably. And then I was just like, dang, hold, hold up. This is actually true. It's actually true that the thing I want most is Jesus. So then I just started writing down other things I wanted, like joy <laughs> and peace and vision and hope and confidence. Those are all things I, I did not have in that moment. And I was like, hold up. The thing I want more than anything else, I have. So that means I'm okay. Right. Like, I, I want joy, I want peace, I want all these other things I'm not experiencing, but the thing that I actually want the most, I have, so I win. So it's all good. So that, that is mourning, all right? Mourning isn't like sitting in your stuff. Mourning is talking to God about your stuff, okay? So what I'm not saying is that we should never mourn, that we should never be sad. You know, we're supposed to weep with those who weep. Here's another thing I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we should laugh when other people are crying. Have you ever done that? Don't. It's so awkward, all right? Don't laugh when other people are crying. Cry with them. Hug them. Love them. Doesn't matter if you think they should be or not because they're worthy and they're valid, and so, Wilson, don't do that. All right, next thing I'm not saying. We should ignore hard circumstances or pain. I'm not saying that we should ignore hard circumstances or pain. That is not, being joyful is not ignoring reality and pain and hard circumstances, okay? Here's what I am saying, though. We always have access to Jesus. We always have access to Jesus. I will never leave you. 
Go into all the earth, making disciples, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Height, depth, demons, angels, good, bad, ugly. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So this is the core of my message today, guys, is that connection to Jesus, heart connection, heart focus to Jesus will bring joy into our life. Now, I haven't just arrived, like, it's been a process for me to kind of apprehend joy as more of a, a discipline and more of an um, experience in my life. And one of the big hurdles I've had to overcome, I, I mentioned a second ago, mistaking joy and happiness, but and I'll probably talk about that more. But another one that I think a lot of people can relate to that really is hard for me was I was overemphasizing authenticity and underemphasizing faith in God's word. I've overemphasized, um, what I wrote down, I've overemphasized authenticity. And this is what I've said. If I don't feel it, it's not real. That's easy, right? That's so easy to do. I mean, like, I just saw so many people sigh at once when I said that. <laughs> because that's just so easy is to um, identify, mo like, l to let our feelings identify, kind of like, like direct us. That's just so easy. And, you know, it's easier for some people than others. Like, I'm a super feely person, so it's, like, really easy for me. Other people are kind of robotic, you know? Like, what am I feeling? I don't know. And I feel bad for them. You know, I wish they felt more. Like my wife, you know, like some people just don't, you know, tend to feel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but look, it's a lie that your feelings are truth. Because, okay, I got to say this too. Two people who have mentored and influenced me in this message more than anyone else, you know, is Steve and Wendy Backlund. Um, so like so much what I'm saying today I have, I have learned from, from them and the revelation that God has given them and the way that the Holy Spirit has kind of stamped a lot of their message on my life because I need it. Um, so just, I'd encourage you, like, get the book, Victorious Emotions. Um, listen to Steve back. Listen to their weekly podcasts. It's just such a helpful, helpful thing. But um, something that Wendy has said that really struck me was this. They, they lead a ministry called Igniting Hope, if you've never heard of them. Um, she said this, our feelings don't validate truth. Our feelings validate what we believe. Your feelings do not validate truth all the time. Okay? Sometimes they do. But what they always validate is what you believe. So if you want a different emotion, what you need is a different belief. And it's not a switch. It's not like, I'm going to change my belief, and all of a sudden I'm going to have a different emotion. Sometimes that happens, but basically never. Because we have beliefs that are like kind of floating around in our head that we're conscious of, and then we have like inner subconscious beliefs that we're not constantly aware of. And what our goal is, is to get the Bible and God's truths and God's promises and the prophetic words of the Lord to us and everything, what we're supposed to do is to get those beliefs into our subconscious, to get those into our, like, kind of inner mind, you know, the spirit of our mind. Like, Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Do you know your mind had a spirit? Isn't that crazy? Inception. Um, 
It doesn't have a spirit, I don't think. But anyways, the spirit of your mind. I think what he's talking about is your inner, kind of your, 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 your deeper worldview, if you will. The way you look at life before you even know that you're looking at life. He, that's where your emotions oftentimes come from. So we're not to look at our feelings and say, this validates truth. We're to say, okay, I'm feeling this. Is it, like, is it really line up with what I want to believe? And, and then that's where we work from. So does that make sense? A, 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 a barrier we have to overcome is to, to walk in joy, to walk in radical joy, to walk in abundant joy, to be attractively joyful, to our face to be tired because we're smiling so much. One of, those, one of the big hurdles we have to overcome is we need to stop overemphasizing authenticity. And, and all I mean by authenticity is however I feel is how I have to act. You know, like, that's not, that's not legit. All right. So I have four key thoughts for us about joy that I want to talk about for the rest of the time. Who has, I'd encourage you, if you don't have your Bible with you, to just pull out your phone or something, because um, I'm not going to put anything up there. <laughs> and it's just good to have your Bible at church. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? But for some reason, we don't do it. <laughs> like me included, like, Church has just sometimes become like this routine thing we do, and we don't do the things that make sense to do at church. You know, like at church, it makes sense to worship. Sometimes we don't. What's up with that? Sometimes we don't bring our Bible to church, even though that, I mean, if you forget, that's one thing, but it's just like, it should be the goal to bring your Bible to church because hopefully they're preaching from the Bible, and, you know, it's good to participate and read it yourself. So, like, um, I, I'm really trying to turn that leaf. I'm not trying to rebuke anybody in here. But bring your Bibles, okay? All right. So here are four key thoughts for us about joy. And this is how, in order to receive God's gift of joy, these are four key thoughts for us, okay? To receive that gift. Another, another title I could say is this, four things I think God wished every Christian knew about joy. Four things I wished God Four things God, I think God wished every Christian knew about joy. That's why it's not my title because I can't even say it. So number one is this. Biblical joy comes from connection to God. Turn with me to Luke 2. Biblical joy comes from connection to God. Happiness, worldly happiness, comes from contentment in our circumstances. But biblical joy comes from connection to the creator of the universe. How crazy is it? We got him inside of us. So Luke 2, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Pause, just really quick. It's like when I read that verse, there was no place for them in the inn. I'm like, screw. What? I'm like, screeching halt. There was no room for God in the hotel. Have you ever thought about that? There was no room for God, the creator of the universe. Look, this will just turn predestination on its head, okay? You cannot tell me that if God was predestining every single thing ever, he would predestine intentionally to have his kid born. Look, God isn't consumed with our circumstances, 
He wants you to have bad circumstances. Okay, let me take that back. God doesn't want you to have bad circumstances, but he, will, he is okay with you being in circumstances that are bad so that you can change those circumstances. Like the world is dark and messed up. God sends us into the world to love and help and bring the kingdom, right? That means that sometimes God wants you to have bad circumstances. <sighs> and you know why? Because he's with you. He doesn't, he, you have him. Now, I don't think that the bad circumstances God gives us is sickness. I don't think that that's one of the bad circumstances he gives us. That's a very common thought, but um, I, I really don't believe that. But I do think that God is like, hey, go to that place that's gonna be really hard. And you know that you're not aware of God's love for you and, and you're not in connection to God when you start becoming very aware of how bad the circumstances are. Because that's when you like taking your eyes off of Jesus. So it's not about avoiding bad circumstances. Like, hello, right? Like we can take the whole like God is good message into something that it doesn't even mean. <laughs> go into all the earth, go into the hard places, go into bad circumstances and upend the kingdom of darkness and bring the kingdom of light into there. Okay, verse seven, eight, let's go to eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Come on. So angels show up. And in the old covenant, when angels show up, usually judgment is happening. A judgment that is not in your favor. <laughs> okay. Sometimes angels showed up and it was a good thing. But the, you know, old covenant person was just so consumed with the judgment of God, the negative judgments of God, that they got freaked out whenever angels showed up. So they're like, ah! And the angels say, no, 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 no. This is good news. Do not fear right now. I'm bringing you good news. And what's the good news? Connection with God. The, the, the Savior of the, of, the, of the entire universe is coming to earth, and connection with God is now on the table. Permanent, unending connection with God is now going to be available to you. That brings great joy, <laughs> right? That's something to get happy about. That's something to laugh and chuckle and go, woo, about. The, the creator of the universe is, has, is coming to earth, to be born on earth so that we can have connection with him. Joy is based in connection to God. The deeper revelation we have of our connection to God, the deeper seated in us joy will be. And it can start to bubble out because we're aware, oh my goodness, I'm connected to God. Even though this bad thing is happening, I'm connected to God. Uh, John 15, 11. Biblical joy comes from connection to God. Listen to this, John 15, 11. These things, I, this is Jesus. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. All right, that's just like amazing. Full joy. You know what that makes me want to do? Figure out what these things are. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So man, like we got to figure out what are these things? 
And what's he, what has he just been talking about, verses 1 through 10? He's been talking about abiding. He's been talking about remaining in God, hanging out in God, being with Jesus, being in connection with him. The deeper we get that revelation that we can abide, that we can hang out, we can remain with Jesus, the more easy it is for us to access joy and to live in joy. Because there's nothing we can be more joyful about than remaining in Jesus. You know, the, I think a lot, one of our problems with abiding is this. We think mostly of us abiding. We think of us abiding in God. But check out what, 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 what John drops on us in 1 John. 1 John 3. I read this the other day and I was just so shocked. 1 John 3, 24. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given to us. By this, we know that he abides in us. I just want to take the pressure off of you to abide in him. Because guess what? He's abiding in you. That's the first thought is God's abiding in me. So I'm just going to receive that. The moment you receive that, you just started abiding. As soon as you start to receive God's love for you, you start to abide actually. Because in the new covenant, it's all about receive, not about do. You receive and then you do. Wilson, receive first. All right, there. I told myself. Um, so yeah, man, God abiding in us. Part of this is looking at him. Uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, I was at the park with my neighbor and we were riding bikes and we were riding all around the, he's, he's like, um, how old is Jeremiah? Like eight years old. And um, we're riding all around the park and he's just going everywhere he wants. And I'm just like, dude, like I'm watching you, bro. You got to stay with me. And I was like, okay, follow me. Like, go follow me. And he's like, okay. And I literally start riding this way and he starts riding that way. And I was like, Jeremiah, get behind me. <laughs> okay, like this is, I'm going to make following really simple for you. Your bike behind my bike. That is following. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me that moment when he said, Wilson, you too. He was like, Wilson, get behind me. And something just clicked me like, oh my goodness, like when I'm looking at Jesus, I'm able to follow him. And I'm, I'm abiding when I'm looking at him. Sometimes we're not abiding because we're not looking at the right thing. Jordan talked about that. So first key to walking in joy, radical joy, is believing and getting this deep in your head that biblical joy comes from connection to God. All right, um, number two, here's my second thought for you. Biblical joy, here's another truth for us, okay? Biblical joy can be cultivated. This is the opposite of the lie that we believe that, um, like, the, here's a lie, okay? Authentic joy, you feel. Authentic joy, you feel. The truth is this, biblical joy can be cultivated. Biblical joy doesn't have to start as an emotion. It doesn't have to start as a feeling, as an experience. It starts as a reality that we're not experiencing and we're saying, hey, I'm gonna jump into that reality right now. I'm gonna start you know, walking it. So biblical joy can be cultivated. My dad's exhortation, my dad's in, um, he's a senior pastor here. He's in North Carolina right now with my siblings. And his, he said, Wilson, tell them this. Tell them that, he, that we should press into as a church this idea, intentional joy. 
That's my dad's, that's the senior pastor of this church's word to us, okay? Press into intentional joy. Just like intentional thankfulness. Like, hey, I'm gonna think of things to be thankful for. Intentional joy. I'm gonna think of things to be joyful about. And then what you should do is you should laugh out loud or you should jump or you should high five yourself, okay? Just to prove that you are really being joyful. John 16, 22 talks about joy being cultivated. I read this earlier, but so also you have, sor- I'm gonna read actually starting verse 19. This is a lot. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm about to die. That's gonna really bum you out. I'm gonna go away. You're gonna be sad about that, okay? And the reason you're gonna be sad is because I'm gone. But then guess what? I'm gonna come back and now you can have joy because I'm back. I think it's what, I'm never gonna leave you, so your joy never has to leave you. Our joy comes from, this is the same point again. <laughs> Biblical joy comes from connection to God. That's where our joy comes from is connection to God. And, we, and here's what I wanna propose to you. When he says, um, no one will take your joy from you, I think that he is saying, no one has to take your joy from you, but you can take your joy from you. And things can make you feel like you don't have joy. But the reality is, if you have me, you have joy. It's just crazy. My next point is gonna build on this, but we can always have joy because we're always connected to God. And biblical joy can be cultivated. It's something that we actually, we look at our circumstances, the pain around us, and we pause and go, okay, I'm gonna go back to the truth that I have God with me right now. Amazing, okay, I'm winning. Even though it feels like I'm losing, I'm winning and I can go forward now. I'm not gonna be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Your circumstances determine how you feel. I'm gonna be renewed in my mind. I'm gonna be transformed. I'm gonna be weirdly different than the world and I'm actually gonna be joyful even in a hard circumstance because I have God. Biblical joy and suffering can coexist, okay? Biblical joy comes from connection to God. Biblical joy can be cultivated. Biblical joy and suffering can coexist. I keep saying biblical joy because I think this is the big part that we need to repent about is really get our head set on straight. Like, man, I'm gonna think about joy the way that the word of God talks about it, not the way that the world talks about it. Joy and suffering can coexist. Turn with me to James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hey, Derry, could you come out here? I'm going to have you play keys wherever you. Um, okay, so count it all joy. Count it all joy when you meet trials. Here's what I think is the key here. Christians are people of vision. And so when we face a trial, you know that also to live a successful life, you need to be able to identify when you're in a trial, okay? That's the first step. You don't gotta start yet. 
<laughs> I'm not getting that Pentecostal, okay? Um, to live a victorious life, you identify when you're in a trial. You say, oh my goodness, this is hard right now. And actually, wait, hold on, this is, this is hard right now. Okay, 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 I'm, I'm starting to win now because I realize that it's hard. The revelation that it's hard is an important one to have. The realization, the identification that something's hard is important. But if you're like me, you get wrapped up in your emotions and you don't even think about what you're feeling. You just feel, ah, I'm feeling. You gotta pause, okay, I'm in a trial. I can be victorious, I'm in a trial. And then you go, hold up, I'm gonna count this joy right now because something amazing is gonna come from this because God redeems everything in my life. He's a Romans 8.28 God. He's, he's 8.28 in this on me. All things work together for my good. Not all things are caused so that good will come out of me, but all, God is a master. He, he's an incredible, amazing, powerful person. He is able to work the worst thing in your life for good. Doesn't cause it, but he will work it for good. And when you tap into that, when you're like, okay, I'm gonna count this joy, you, what you do is you're being a person of vision and, and actually you can tap into God's joy and, and not joy that would be caused by circumstances around you. So the point is this, adversity and trials produce something in us to be joyful about. Adversity and trials produce something in us to be joyful about. Um, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The hardest thing that anyone will ever do ever, go to the cross. How did Jesus do that? Joy. How did he do that? Joy. Without joy, I mean, he could have done it, but um, joy was the thing that Jesus leveraged to endure the cross. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not your joy, not my joy, not our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's his joy that's our strength. So look, Steve Backlund says this, we don't need joy at the end of the battle. We need joy in the middle of the battle. You need joy in the middle. We need joy in the middle of the battle, my friends. We gotta stir it up. We gotta, we gotta break free from an obsession with authenticity and say, hey, I'm gonna stir joy up in myself right now. I'm connected to God. He's working this for good. There's two promises right there to get happy about. You're always connected to God and he always works everything for good. And you can start to stir joy in your heart. And you say, okay, I can be joyful right now. This is the only way I'm gonna make it through this actually is joy. Jesus chose to access joy to make it through the cross. I'm gonna choose joy right now to make it through this. And then lastly, joy looks like something. You can start playing now. <laughs> joy looks like something. We pull up the four points, Stella. Here are my four points. Biblical joy is based in connection to God. Biblical joy can be cultivated. Biblical joy and suffering can coexist. And biblical joy looks like something. Will you guys stand up so I can pray for you? Will you go to the next slide? I'd encourage you, take a picture of this slide. And, and, make, and meditate on these verses, this, this season, this Kairos moment we're in, where we're in trials, where everything is hard out there. <laughs> this is what we should be feasting on. This, every single one of these verses talks about joy in a different way. Um, and when we're choosing joy, what I just wanna to propose to you is that we need, it's helpful that we actually do an action and we associate it with that joy. So like one thing you can do is this, you can smile, <laughs> okay? This is for joy novices. 
you might smile, all right? I'm just kidding. Here's another thing you can do. Positive hand gestures. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna stir, like you can't be that sad when you're fist bumping, you know, like um, chuckling. That's another way to access joy. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. And what happens when you start chuckling, when you fake chuckle, you start to laugh at yourself. And then you start to actually laugh out loud. Okay, so I just wanna pray, Lord, I just pray you'd release joy over us right now. God, we wanna, the joy, your joy is our strength. So just put your hands on your stomach. That's, that's what I feel like God wants us to do. Father, I just release joy right now. We release joy into our gut. I think God's actually healing some people's guts. Right now, I release fire on people's guts for good bacteria, and for healing in Jesus' name. I actually think that, you know, in, in Proverbs it says that a merry heart is good medicine. Joy actually has health benefits, okay? It literally does. And so I bless you right now to access joy. Come Holy Spirit. Now, for people that maybe you feel resistance to this message, it's like something about it's hard to you, just I, um, I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for the gift of authenticity on these people's lives. I thank you that their authenticity brings heart connection between them and other people, and it opens doors. But God, right now, I just break off dysfunctional authenticity in Jesus' name. I break, I break dysfunctional authenticity off right now in Jesus' name. And I release freedom in you to be who God says you are. To stop defining who you think you are and to be who God says you are. Lord, I just I bless everyone in this room. I just wanna pray a prayer because I bless everyone in this room, my, my family right now, God. I pray that uh, you put grace on us all to walk in joy, to cultivate joy, to return to, to, to abide and be in connection with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.